My guest on this week's episode of Southern Search is Bartosz Gorelovich, CEO at Onely. Bartosz is an in-demand conference presenter and a frequent guest on industry podcasts and webinars. He is considered one of the top technical SEOs in the world. He's particularly knowledgeable about JavaScript SEO. A few places you might have heard Bartosz present include Ungagged, Inorbit, Brighton SEO, Searchlove, and all the different SMX events. For a really good deep dive into his areas of expertise, check out some of the webinars he's done for SEM Rush. They are consistently excellent. Core Web Vitals has captured the attention of SEOs all over the world. I'm going to start our conversation by asking him a series of questions about Core Web Vitals and how he and his team approach the concept. I'm also going to ask Bartosz about JavaScript. Simply put, JavaScript and SEO don't play well together. How does an expert like Bartosz evaluate JavaScript for SEO? What JavaScript considerations should website owners and SEOs be concerned about? I'm going to ask Bartosz those questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Bartosz Gorelovich. We'll chat about how significant a change Core Web Vitals was. We'll chat JavaScript SEO. And we'll spend a little time talking about conference hijinks with Greg Gifford. All right, Bartosz, welcome to Southern Search. How are you doing? Uh, welcome, Mark. Uh, it, it's a it's pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm doing amazing. It's, it's just um, nice to actually talk to someone um, face to face, apart from our lovely customers like it, it and, and my team. Uh, I think this is one of those social situations we, we kind of miss sometimes. I certainly do. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And it's a big get getting you on You're You have a reputation as one of the top technical SEOs in the world. You travel all over the place. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, there's some you know, kind of the hot topic in SEO right now, and uh, certainly in technical SEO is Core Web Vitals. I wanted to ask you a little bit about it. There was this big update, I think it was like in May of this year. Um, I'm curious, you are in this world, you were in this world beforehand. What fundamentally changed as a result of this uh, update in, in May uh, for, for someone who watches this very closely? So first of all, Thank you so much for all the uh, kind words, Mark. Um, I never know how to react, but then uh, <laughs> let's go straight into the, the, the geekiness. So to be honest, I didn't expect Core of Vitals to go this, um, to, to be so popular. Yeah. Like we started talking about this topic years ago, but then I, it wasn't even largest contentful paint. I, I forget the name. Uh, it was first. Contentful paint. Yeah, the the, met, the first metrics around uh, what what now is called core vitals were extremely. Uh, can we swear? Sure. Here? Yeah, by uh, all means. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were just shit metrics. They they wouldn't really uh, tell you too much about the web performance. So when Google actually introduced, I think the first metric that that I got excited about was largest contentful mm -hmm. paint because that seemed like like a fairly logical choice. Um, but what Google did, what, what gets me um, very excited is they, they, they pulled this PR stunt of, of basically uh, packaging what, what, what we used for, for years, and maybe not years, but for a long time, uh, into what they called core vitals and basically said, okay, this might be a ranking factor and that's it. Even though there are a lot of statements later on uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, telling you not to focus on Core Vitals, but then Googler said multiple times that even if it's going to be a ranking factor, it's not going to be anything uh, to worry about. But just this one statement, like change the whole uh, World Wide Web, I, I find this 
fascinating of like how easy it is for them. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so I think this is the most exciting part for me about Core Vitals that Google got to change the whole uh, World Wide Web with just a little bit of PR. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I thought about it um, a little bit, and I don't know this in de- as in depth as you might, but like, you know, a lot of this stuff Google's been telling us for a while, right? They've been telling us about HTTPS, mobile friendliness, page speed. You know, you, you touched on largest contentful paint. What else is new? What What are some of the new things that came out with Core Web Vitals, or is it just kind of packaging these concepts together? So, so for me, what's what's fascinating still is, um, first of all, now we have the conversation. Like we actually have a conversation about about web performance because. If you think about that, we can we can now say okay, there was word, there was the the, the whole World Wide Web was talking about those famous two seconds right. or one second for Amazon that's changing that by millions, whatever. Like this was a nonsense conversation, <laughs> so it wasn't really very practical. Yeah. And now we have the, the these three metrics, which which seems fairly straightforward. So what's changed is that how they package that. So they, they we're not talking about page speed, which was a, a dreadful metric. It, it wasn't really measuring anything. Like I had this example. I think the Guardian was loading for sixty-two seconds, but you could interact with the content after after a second. But still, the load time would be sixty seconds. So you would say, okay, this is a very slow right. website. And um, it was a very. I, I actually remember arguing about with with some of the uh, SEOs about like why do you measure. Um, a load time, why do you use like GT I was going to say, but all the, the there's all time. these tools out there, right? Like, what do, what do you make of these? Google yeah. had a, has a tool, had a tool about PageSpeed, GT metrics. All these things are in, you know, people are using them all the time. What do you make of these tools? So, so yeah, this is, <laughs> this is so exciting because if you look at that, we have a, a very broad history of, of the word sheet as metrics, PageSpeed insights, the easiest metrics to fool that didn't even correlate with web performance right, right. for years. So you could have a website that would have a 100 PSI. And I remember talking to clients about it. I was like, your website is slow and they would answer, okay, but we get this many points right. or we pass, we get a pass with PSI, which I, I was, sometimes I was close to, to, to a heart attack, just trying to explain like, you know, if your website is slow, but you have hundred points, like, do you still think it's fast? And what happened with Core of Vitals, they, they changed the narrative. And I think for for the first time in history, we have a metric that we somehow agree on, or maybe if we don't, we kind of have to agree on it. Um, and it actually measures something that we can see uh, in our hands. So, so this is one thing. So for the first time in history, we can look at things that actually um, correlate with, with what we're seeing. But then um, how they structure that is, is kind of genius because if we look at the, the layout shift, um, layout shift, you, you may say, okay, they look at how the, the uh, an element is moving within mm-hmm. the page. So layout shift is basically when you, for, for those within the audience who are not that techy, if you load the page, you want to click that button and it moves down or up or whatever, this is layout shift, the most annoying thing that was invented um, online. So looking to layout shift, and I, I think I have a prop somewhere. Mm. Uh, sorry for the. Won't be sorry. Yeah. So looking to layout um, layout shift, I need to slow down. I'm getting excited. Uh, so looking to layout shift actually changed how we uh, look at. This is Alcatel One X, 
so, so this is a, a phone that would freeze, that it would freeze, the CPU would freeze completely when loading BBC, mm. as an example. And, and this, for years, no one would, was like, okay, this might be a problem that my website, my news website, uh, wouldn't load on a, on a slower, this is not an old phone, this is uh, bought, I think it's last year or two years old, for 100 bucks, okay. it's just a cheap phone, uh, this is a 100 bucks um, smartphone. So you would create, with how you design the website, you would um, exclude a part of the people. So you would exclude people with lower income, mm -hmm. maybe older people using some kind of, you know, those large yeah. brick kind of phones. So this wasn't very cool if you think about it. So Google managed to package quite a lot of different problems into those three metrics. Mm -hmm. So now when you design a website and it's full of JavaScript, yeah. full of CSS, full of different other problems, it's gonna have huge layout shifts on slower phones. So if your audience is somehow using cheaper smaller phones, so, so if your audience is kids, mm -hmm. so you have like a meme website or whatever, or if your audience is uh, older people, people with lower income, people in developing countries, like the one I'm from. <laughs> so um, if you look at all these, um, all these problems, the web wasn't very inclusive. So I, I think this is not very, this is not something that's talked about um, that often, but, but this is one of the things I love that we actually look at the whole range of problems rather than just, okay, let's load the page within two seconds. Yeah, I like this so much. Like, this is similar to, I had, uh, it was Patrick, Patrick Stocks from Ahrefs on. We were talking about Core Web Vitals. He made this point that it's like, it's, it's uh, for him, Core Web Vitals isn't principally an SEO consideration. It's like a user experience consideration more so. Uh, I don't know, a ranking signal. It's not, it's not a ranking signal for him. Do you see in your studies this big, you know, big organic traffic increase or the typical SEO KPIs, you know, really hockey stick after improving core web vitals, or are there other considerations at work as well? So, yeah, and, and this, this is a spectrum as well. So I'll try not to geek out. Uh, and, and this is usually tricky, but so if you look at that, if you look at the problem, like, like, like the layout shift, I right. just explained, um, to fix this problem, you need to address um, a couple of underlying issues. And one of these will be uh, too much JavaScript. So if you look at that problem uh, from the indexing and rendering point of view, you will have websites like um, like famous websites, maybe infamous websites like hulu.com or angular.io, websites that historically went with, um, with a heavy JavaScript framework mm -hmm. and got wiped out of the internet. Completely mm. got got completely de-indexed or partially de-indexed, and along with this problem, that was somehow difficult to diagnose for them because people use okay, is this website does does the website work rather than okay, is it you know what's what about the technological depth and and so on. So if you look at addressing core vitals for some of the very JavaScript heavy mm. websites like Walmart, we actually had a case study of Walmart where we showed, okay, how you can improve that like Best Buy, all those brands struggle with pushing so much code because they were focusing, okay, is this code going to be working? Is going to be improving user experience when we look at features uh, rather than, um, rather than uh, the, the, the real 
experience you're getting. So if you look at strictly core vitals, addressing these won't affect your traffic at all. There are multiple conversations. Some of those actually, I think we have rec recorded webinar with Martin Splitt when where he obviously said, uh, openly said uh, that core vitals are not a major part of, of the ranking algorithm. So even if you go from being very slow to very fast, you like in theory, you shouldn't see like a huge hockey stick trend, as mm -hmm. you mentioned. But what ends up happening quite often when we work with clients, because we focus quite a lot of optimizing, uh, optimizing critical rendering path, mm -hmm. which uh, works for both uh, a web rendering service at Google and Core Vitals right. and how Google is going to index your content. Okay. So once we address these issues, uh, Google is now able to pick up more content. And if you look at some of our uh, research, on average, 26% of, uh, of any website is not being indexed in Google, of indexable content. Mm -hmm. So these metrics ended up, uh, ended up improving. So you would see 10, 15, 20% more content being picked up. And obviously, once Google picks up more content, you have more traffic. So, so this was... Mm, a little bit of like a domino effect. So, so we were looking to core vitals, and they were saying, okay, there are a lot of, there are a little bit of issues with, I don't know, a huge uh, chunk of JavaScript, uh, huge chunk of JavaScript code responsible for the slider, and you know, just removing that will improve rendering and indexing, and ranking. So, you know, and, and there are multiple shades of that, <laughs> that problem. But, but yeah. Uh, Let's let's pause. No, here. that's that's great, and I, I, yeah. There's some things that I that, that you covered that I just want to make sure I understand, or that we don't we don't go too fast for the audience. So we let's say somebody, somebody, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody here is listening. They, they they're like, okay, I'm into it. I want to know what my you know cumulative cumulative layout shift is, and I want to know what my largest contentful pain is. Where do they go? Uh, where's that measured? What are the tools that are needed to do this job? How do you interpret the, the data from those tools? Oh, that's such a bad question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm such a bad person to answer that question because I'm, um, I'm using Chrome developer tools because they are like the, the there is a tiny bit of, of the, of the learning curve. Maybe you need to spend like 10, 15 minutes just to figure out how to use okay. that. But then you've got so many features. You can slow down your CPU to see, okay, how is this, this break uh, gonna behave? You can change the resolution. So you've got multiple options. And then once the the test is done, you can see uh, which script was causing that and, and some other issues. So, so I would go with Chrome developer tools, but you mentioned uh, people who are not that technical. Mm -hmm. Uh, for that, I would probably go with uh, a web page. Uh, web, uh, I always get this name wrong. Um, uh, it's it's an open source tool, but I, I keep forgetting. I'll, I'll I'll get back to that uh, to this well, web page test. Webpagetest.org. So. This would be something I would go with. So either web page test or even PageSpeed Insights by uh, by Google. PageSpeed Insights is going to give you a ton of data from uh, cracks. Okay. Um, so this is something I would love. So so maybe let's go into what cracks is because yeah. I think this is also a huge game changer let's for the it. community. 
so Crux is Chrome user experience report and it might sound geeky. So what Google did is they uh, used their overwhelming power of owning Chrome uh, and gathering data from, from us. So from uh, real users and they started gathering uh, details about every single session uh, from users and match those results with your domain. Uh, so, so basically they know if you go to amazon.com, you know, uh, they know, uh, how, what was your, uh, experience with amazon.com. Uh, and why am I telling that? And I'm trying <laughs> to keep it as simple as possible is then they publish this data. So you can actually access, um, uh, 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 let's say uh, real user metrics. So RAM metrics about your domain. When you go to PageSpeed Insights, or there are multiple other ways to actually extract this data, and it's also available in uh, Google Search Console. Okay. So what you can do, and how that actually, uh, how 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 that's useful. Let's say that uh, you have an international domain. Let's say you're owner of like IKEA or Zalando or I don't know Amazon or anything that's somehow international, and you let's assume you're using the same code uh, and the same uh, CMS or the same framework for each of those countries. And with this, you can see, okay, how real users in different places, as just one of the use cases, uh, perceive my website. So you can see, okay, maybe in States, which is very iPhone uh, dominant when you look at that, um, and iPhones have very strong CPUs, um, your website is, is working perfectly fine. So we can look at us, you know, users living in states, interacting with Amazon.com, they, they, you know, it, it's very, very, very fast. But then you may go and see users in uh, Malaysia, uh, Malaysia mm, somewhere in, in, for example, Asia, where, where there are a lot of Android devices and like phones like Oppo or like niche like what, what you would call us Americans, I would assume, or most of Europe, some, some kind of niche uh, brands or different brands in iPhone. And you would see, okay, the same website, the same code uh, is not performing this in the same way because of the CPU. Mm -hmm. But then it gets even more exciting with cracks because you can say, okay, this website looking at read users is not performing very well in Australia when, okay, users have very strong phones, but the, the coverage tends to be, um, not amazing because of the size of the really country. So you, you will leave the city yeah. and you, you lose uh, 4g. So each of those countries will, will require a different kind of, uh, web performance, uh, consulting optimization, you know, so in Australia, you would actually ship less code, smaller images or focus on some kind of approach of doing that. But in, in countries where the devices are not that amazing, you would actually have to get rid of some of the, uh, JavaScript, uh, features. So you would gotcha. lose some of the animations, some of the moving parts because the CPU is struggling okay. and so on and so on. So yeah, can I, ask you a but I can go on forever about awesome. that. So, oh, so please yeah, help no, me Mark if I geek out. I, wanna, I mean, this is something a lot, a lot of the stuff I have. Uh, a decent amount of knowledge on, but this is honestly something I want to learn more about. When you talk about JavaScript and you talk about it in SEO, 
Um, it's one of those like classic depends. It's like, is JavaScript good for SEO? Is it bad for SEO? And people always say it depends. It, it can be good. It can be rendered fine. Um, it kind of rules of the road. I'm, I'm wondering on JavaScript. You, you've mentioned it many times in this conversation too much JavaScript that it can, it can hurt core web vitals that it can hurt your technical SEO. Just conceptually, how do you look at, at JavaScript as an SEO? Oh, mm. <laughs> Uh, this conversation went uh, wrong a few times, but uh, <laughs> so SEOs hate JavaScript in general. So when you go on Twitter and you're going to tweet right now, uh, Mark is going on Twitter and it's like, I love JavaScript. <laughs> you will have people saying like, you suck, <laughs> like, leave, leave the room. You, you will be canceled right, on Twitter right. because of that. Um, that, that might be the case. Um, but I guess it's a little bit more complex than that. So. JavaScript is not evil by, by no means, but um, I guess um, it wasn't introduced very well. So uh, JavaScript SEO kind of happened, I would assume, around 2014-ish, uh, give or take. But it was just um, maybe one or two uh, publications, very technical publications, uh, one by, I think, Eric Wu, a few other experiments by some uh, some other uh, agencies and then nothing happened so so uh, uh, in 2015 google announced and i'll keep it keep it, keep this brief that they are okay with um with with rendering uh, javascript just as any modern browser mm -hmm. which was the, the worst thing they they, they they could have done because now in 2015, when this was announced and they discontinued the Ajax scheme, um, which none of you have, like, you don't have to, like, I'm talking to the audience, like, you don't have to understand what that means. Basically, Google said that they are okay with JavaScript. Right. And all of the webmasters, website owners, developers, they just heard that. Yes. And now you're seeing a flood of Angular power yes. or React power or whatever websites flooding the internet. You've got Hulu losing tons of traffic because they're not being picked up by Google. You have all these huge brands failing miserably uh, because they don't know how to deploy JavaScript completely and there's no documentation. Yeah. So 2016 or 15, I don't remember correctly right now, but we launched an experiment just to, just to address that somehow because we're seeing one of our clients, we couldn't diagnose it for weeks. Um, and then I, I have no idea how we did it, but we found that there was a little loader, like a, like a loading cycling wheel in the middle of the website, blocking whole, the whole render for Google. So we were like, okay, this is, this, this, this has had to happen to someone else. We, we Googled that, we searched the whole internet. Nobody was reporting those issues, but we saw Hulu, we saw a few other websites. We, we wrote articles about that. So long story short, this is why JavaScript has such a bad rap. Like we published an experiment about that Google the next day or two days later, uh, John Miller created a group like this kind of in 2016 with, with the experiment um, and everything. Google started to pick up. Now we have Martin split, uh, mostly split, mostly responsible for JavaScript and so on. But now let me answer your question uh, properly. Okay. <laughs> so, so JavaScript is amazing because I don't think we could have the internet as we're using that today without it, including this, this call or anyone watching YouTube later mm -hmm. on. Um, but uh, <laughs> we need to divide JavaScript into two buckets. 
So JavaScript responsible for co uh, for content. So no JavaScript, no content. This is a, a, a bed bug. Okay. Um, content visible without JavaScript, but you know JavaScript at the same time being responsible for interactions, making the you know your user journey kind of nicer. Like this is a good bucket, and and that's it. Like now we could we could finish. And, 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 you know, and, and we actually sent uh, a valuable message, I think, about that. But now what's happening and what, what, what seems to be a struggle is that developers launch a website with, uh, with a dynamic uh, content. So let's say it's a, let's say New York, New York Times is launching a client-side rendered, so JavaScript-powered and client-side rendered websites. We, we, we'll get into what that means in, in a second. It's a very dynamic uh, page. Rendering the JavaScript uh, is gonna take quite a bit of resources for Google. So just like this mobile phone is struggling with uh, with rendering the JavaScript, I'll explain rendering in a second, Google does as well. So now you can see that 2016, hundreds and hundreds of thousands literally of domains launch heavy JavaScript code. And Google's servers, I'm assuming, still have the same computing power. So now you can explain. You, I think this, this this tells the whole story, and I hope you you understand why I, I took a little bit of a detour. But this this caused the whole range of issues, because if Google had infinite resources, you can. You can do whatever right. with JavaScript. You, like they right. wouldn't care. They, you know, they own Chrome, so they they they, they can render it. Uh, but the problem is that as this phone will struggle sometimes for four minutes exactly. to render some of the some of the some of the websites, uh, this shows how much computing power is needed when Google is faced with billions of JavaScript power websites. So, and don't, uh, and one thing that what they need to state: Google can and will render JavaScript. But let's go into what rendering means yeah. quickly. Rendering means, so let's say you're going to a, uh, you're, you're going for a pizza. Okay. So with HTML, you, you get into the, uh, the, the restaurant, you get a pizza, that's <laughs> it. Um, that, that's fairly simple, that's HTML. Right. <laughs> so with JavaScript, you walk in into like Pizza Hut or whatever, and they give you all the ingredients right. and you need to do it yourself. So that's JavaScript. JavaScript requires you or your user or, or your, your phone or in case of Google, their, their web rendering service to get uh, all of the scripts, all of the elements of the code, process them, which is very um, CPU, so um, basically resource intensive, and then it spits out HTML. So in the end, it doesn't really matter if this is a, a JavaScript or HTML websites, in the end, you have HTML. But with, with, you know, such a quick growth of JavaScript frameworks, not all of the developers, not all of the JavaScript developers, you probably know the problem with, with accessibility mm -hmm. of, of good JavaScript developers, developers in general. So not all of them have experience or knowledge or, you know, uh, they feel the need of launching uh, JavaScript websites that have that extra layer of server-side rendering. So there's a server that processes the JavaScript into HTML. So this is an extra step. I see. So you, you, you can do that, but 
you don't have to do it. And now we were faced with the problem, let's say that um, Greg Gifford the, um, is launching his new uh, website uh, about beer. So he's got like gregsbeer.com and he's got that dev team. They're like, okay, we're going to charge you like $20,000 for for this JavaScript powered website, but it's going to be 27 if we do that service I rendered. And you know, we know, we all know Greg, he's, he's gonna save that $7,000 and he's gonna go with, um, with a CSR, so client-side render website. And this is where we see all of those controversies, all of those issues. I see. Well, I mean, this is fascinating. I, this is a half hour just flew by talking to you. This has been amazing. I, I have to get in, I have to get in everyone's favorite part of the show though. I, I feel like I'm shoehorning this in, but. You know, for you, this is what this is, is where Greg gives me a question for the guest. He gives me no context to the question. So I don't know anything uh, about this. It's a little bit of a high wire rag for both of us. And for you, it's going to include iPhone for sure. <laughs> I know. So for you, he apparently Greg murdered you. Is there something here? Uh, there's a murder. Greg murdered you. That's the that's the idea. Does that mean anything to so you? I don't know what that means, but my personal struggle, something I'm actually considering going to, to therapy and, and after that happened to me and it keeps happening to me, Facebook keeps thinking that I'm Greg. <laughs> so when I publish my picture on Facebook, is it, it's tagging my face as Greg Gifford, like whatever I, like regardless of what <laughs> I do, I'm actually considering unfriending him and blocking him on Facebook. So. I can just imagine that this is uh, the problem. We even looked into uh, uh, iPhones and I was trying to unlock his iPhone with my face, but that didn't work. I think the, the, the murder thing had something to do with a conference, like maybe uh, on stage you came out in costume or something like that. Let's bring it back. Yeah. Um, I actually don't remember the whole story. I, I'm, I'm guessing Greg uh, has a better memory than myself, but um, I remember being dressed as Greg and just, I think either opening a conference, I think he was keynoting Ungagged, not 100% sure about that. I know it's, it was Ungagged and I would go out uh, dressed as, as Greg <laughs> and someone would kill me, but I, I, I'm such a shit um, actor. <laughs> I don't think I did a, uh, like a, a hell of a job uh, with that. But yeah, like I, I think I, I went um, on stage at uh, Ungacked Las Vegas and I got I got killed. I forgot about that. That's well, right. You you may be a shit actor, but you're a very good podcast guest. This has been a really good conversation. Like the time just flew by. I, I wish we had more time. Um, Bartosz, if people want to get in touch with you or your agency, how how do you like to do that? What's your favorite social media? Um, so yeah, just Twitter and uh, onely.com. Uh, just you can. Twitter and Bartosz Guralewicz, which with my surname might be tricky. So I'm assuming quality.com is easier. Uh, also, thank you so much, Mark. I hope I wasn't um, mumbling too much with, about like the, the, these topics tend to um, tend to um, excite me a little bit too much sometimes, but I, I really hope it was it was valuable. Uh, I, th I think it for sure was. Um, well, Bartosz, I'm going to sign off or I'll give you a virtual cheers. And for everybody listening, we'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. 